0: are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Hosea. If you have that in front of you, uh, grab, grab a book, a uh, Bible in front of you. If you haven't uh, brought one with you, feel free to turn there with me as we continue part three of this series called Pursue. And it's uh, really a key verse, even though it's not in Hosea, that we've been looking at. As you saw in the video, is Psalm 23:6 says, Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. <clears throat> we read that psalm a lot. A lot of people know that. Um, and, uh, and that's the gospel. That's the good news. The Bible is good news, is it not? That's what the gospel means. It literally means good news. Sometimes, however, the culture looks at the church and we think all they have is bad news. All they do is tell us what we can't do, what's wrong with us, yada, yada, yada. It's interesting to see, and I'm just saying this as an aside, the new pope is trying to change that image of the Catholic Church into all the rules and regulations as to what can the church do to help love the the loveless, love the weak, and the outcast, and uh I think he's doing a great job at that. But that's what the, the gospel is all about. Hosea was a prophet to the people of Israel during a time when they were going through some incredible decline. Um, the northern kingdom, by this time, there had been a, a separation between the 12 tribes of Israel, 10 to the north, 2 to the south. The northern kingdom was Israel, the southern kingdom was Judah. <clears throat> to just bring you up to speed, if you haven't been here um, and, and this long decline was as a result of, of, of incredible political corruption. Uh, the last six kings in, tw- in 25 years in the northern kingdom, I think four of them had been murdered by their successor. Talk about, talk about uh, uh, a, a horrible situation. They were going through incredible religious um, idolatry and compromise, vast economic inequities between the ruling class and the peasant class. There was uh, gross immorality. And, uh, and, and to top it all off, uh, the world empire at that time, the expanding world empire was Assyria, uh, just to the north, uh, east of, of Israel. And Assyria was expanding westward. And, they, and, and the northern kingdom was about to be totally demolished, basically. They were going to be totally demolished by Assyria. So this prophet comes up. And he speaks the word of God to the, to the powers that be, but also to the people of Israel during that time. And that's, that's God's message to the people through Hosea. And uh, the story of Hosea, <clears throat> a really interesting story, again, a refresher for those who haven't been here. God told Hosea, this prophet, a prophet's job was to, to speak out against the corruption, to speak the truth and love to the people there. Uh, It wasn't just to tell the future, it was to talk about what's wrong with the present. And, uh, And so God's message through Hosea was, Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute, and I want you to fall in love with her, but she's not gonna change. She's gonna continue to give herself away to others. Even though she's your wife, she's gonna cheat on you, and she's gonna keep cheating on you, and she's gonna have children, and the children may not even be your children but I want you to love her anyway and I don't want you to stop loving her and I want you to never give up loving her never stop pursuing her no matter how many times she breaks your heart I want you Hosea to love this woman because God says this is how I feel about my people Israel Hosea's marriage was a metaphor for God's sense of betrayal because the people of Israel had prostituted themselves to other gods they had left the God who loved them who bought them who gave them the land who 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 led them from slavery into the promised land and then they get there and over time and over uh, as humans take away from God's authority and we take it on ourselves how many of you know that always leads to trouble when we abandon God and go our own way and that's what they were doing So his marriage was an object lesson of God's pursuing love for God's wayward people. But the Gospel of Hosea is that no matter what we do, let's apply it now, no matter how sinful we are, no matter how far you've strayed from God, God pursues you, God romances you, God stalks you and stakes out a way in which you might be able to turn back to God. That is what God's grace is all about. And when we run away from God, we hurt God, yet God continues to pursue us. He comes after us. He calls us. And, and, and even when we reap the consequences of our sinful behavior and we are left hurting and bruised and broken on the side of the road, it is God who stops and picks us up and heals us and mends us. So in the story, Gomer chases after Hosea, Uh, I'm sorry Hosea chases after or goes after Gomer but Gomer chases after other lovers in fact um, uh, chapter 2 verse 7 puts it this way it says that she will chase after her lovers but not catch them she will look for them but not find them and then she will say I will go back to my husband as at first for then I was better off than now does that ring a bell for any of you regarding a New Testament story? For me, when I read that, it's, it's, it's the prodigal son. It's the story of the prodigal son who took his inheritance from his father, ran away, went to a far-off country, spent it on wild living, eventually lost all his wealth, lost his, his source of income, and, uh, uh, and was working feeding pigs and just... Hungering for the food he was feeding the pigs and he said I got to go back home even if I could go home as a slave I'll be better off than if I went back as a son and you know the story there where he turns and goes back home The father sees him as he's coming a far way off and the father runs to the son That's such a beautiful picture of God's running after and pursuing us so in Jesus's parable we see the heart of God and really Hosea is basically that kind of a parable for the people of Israel let's turn to Hosea chapter 6 and and I want to focus on a couple verses however in this story of Hosea you see this this pendulum that swings back and forth from God's pursuing love Gomer's betrayal and the people of Israel's sinfulness and their idolatry and God's hurt and God's anger and judgment that comes upon them. And then so you see a lot of this scripture in, the, in, in there about the consequences of their sin, the judgment of God, the natural judgment of God that comes upon them, and then God rescuing them and, and wanting to bring them back. So we see this graphic language of judgment here. Notice in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Come, let us return to the Lord... He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. He will restore us that we may live in his presence. Now, some people look at the Old Testament view of God and all they see is the judgment. All they see is the anger of God falling upon wayward people. You know, you see the flood destroying the whole earth. You see... You know, Jericho kind of crumbling and all the people dying. You see the stories of God's punishment upon people's sin. And you think, man, that's not the kind of God I want. I want a God that just gives me all the goodies. I don't want a God that punishes me for my wrongdoing. And yet in Hosea, you see this pendulum swinging back and forth between a God who judges and a God who rescues. And and we're going to talk about that this morning. Because I want you to know, when we see the hand of God's judgment upon God's people, always in the Old Testament, it is with the idea that God will redeem them and bring them back. The whole focus, if you just read part of the scripture, you're only going to get part of the story. But if you understand it all, it is so that God can... Restore, redeem, and rebuild. And the gospel is always, the end of the story with the gospel is always God's restoration and redemption. But, but between our running from God and our restoration from God is that sense of God allows us to feel the consequences of sin. And that's what we see in this story here. Why does God do that? Because God, God is a good parent. Now, thinking about God as a good parent might be hard for some who didn't have good parenting. Maybe your parents were abusive. Maybe your parents abandoned you. Maybe a father, maybe a mother, maybe both of them uh, 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 were not the clearest picture of what God is like to you. And so you have a hard time translating your, belief, your feelings about God because of your own issues that you're still dealing with because of brokenness in your own home but I want you to think about God not as this person this being that's always out there you know with his eyes on you because he just can't wait to find you doing wrong so he can beat you over the head that's not the God of the Bible that I read but it is a God who allows us to suffer consequences of our behavior so that we may turn back to God and so that we may turn toward people that are going to edify and build up the world rather than tear the world down. So note Hosea chapter 11. When you hear about the, the imagery of God as a parent, Hosea chapter 11 Uh, We see this personification of God in the first four verses. God saying there, you know, when Israel was a child. Okay, so Israel was a child. The child stage of Israel is when God rescued them out of Egypt. When God met them at Mount Sinai. God gave them the Decalogue. God poured his blessings upon them, them. That's their childhood. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the bales. They burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. That's the image of God as a parent, a good parent, caring for Israel when it was in its child stage of its development. Teaching children healthy boundaries requires discipline, does it not? What good parent does not teach a child that there are things that you should not touch and things that you are permitted to touch? You don't stick your fingers in electrical outlets. A little child needs to learn that's a dangerous boundary they need to not cross. A parent who disciplines their child will help that child understand the fear of that. A healthy fear of putting your hand in the gas stove or on the on the. You know, in the flames. You, you teach your child, you don't run out into the road. You don't do these things as they grow older. It's other things that you know that are dangerous behavior. And as a parent, if you love that child, it, a good parent is going to discipline their child. Now, we understand there is a place for discipline and then there is not a place for abuse. And I'm not condoning abuse of a child in, order, in the name of discipline. I'm talking about healthy, proper discipline that is training for righteousness, for right living. And a child that does not know boundaries when they are young will not have boundaries when they are older. And if a parent does not show their kid that there are boundaries in their life when they are younger, they will have a hard time setting boundaries for themselves when they are older. And that is a recipe for disaster. We know that. We know that. Discipline is a way to lead a child down a path of righteousness. A path of righteousness. When you see the word righteousness in the Old Testament, you see the word righteousness in the Bible, just use, exchange that for the words, it's a path of right living. Right living. Right living. We think of moral righteousness, right standing, sinless before God. That's part of it. But when it talks about leading us down a path of righteousness, it's talking about leading them down a path where they're going to live rightly, where they are going to um, stay within the boundaries of health and happiness and wholeness, not only for themselves, but for the others around them. It is really God's plan, not just for individuals, but for the world. But God's discipline, I want you to know, God's discipline is always motivated by love. Notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5. I'll just read it for you. It says, Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline." God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live How many of you remember as a child when one of your parents disciplined you? I want to see your hands. You remember the discipline. How many of you loved it at the time? <laughs> How many of you are thankful they did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't fair. He started it. That's my line. It didn't work, but that was my line. Um, yeah. Yeah. So in the Bible, when we see the people of God suffering the discipline of God, and we think, oh, that's an angry God who just is out to kill everybody except the few that he loves. No, I think God is trying to pursue all people and help us, especially his children, to learn to live rightly. Discipline is really It's tied to sowing and reaping. Sometimes we as adults, even outside of the discipline of our parents, have suffered discipline because of our own choices. Sin has consequences. You do reap what you sow. The Bible says you sow to the flesh, you reap to the flesh. You sow to the spirit, you reap to the spirit. And some of the painful things, not all of it, there are bad things that happen to good people. Not all bad things that happen to you are God's discipline. I'm not going to say that. They are the consequences of brokenness in the world, and it might be the drunk driver that has uh, caused your pain um, and not you. Um, But it is a part of the brokenness of our world. But sometimes, and I can't tell you what is what in your life, but sometimes... The the pain that we're feeling is because of our own sinful decisions and choices. Our own mistakes that we make. God is a good God and He's good enough to not rescue you from all your stupid choices. Can I say that again? God is a good God and He's good enough to not rescue you from all of your stupid choices. God will let you suffer with the intention... Of you saying, okay, that's not the way that I want my life to go. I need to turn around. And some of you have had those turnaround experiences. Probably in some small ways, we've all had them, and some have had them in big ways. Where we, go, we went down a pathway that we thought it was all about making me feel good, and that temporary feel good became an addiction that caused us to hit bottom. And only when we hit bottom do we have that turnaround experience. You know, we heard Joey O'Malley talk about his conversion experience a couple of weeks ago. And that's, that's similar to probably what a lot of us have, have gone through. And Hosea talks about uh, this, this idea that God injures us. And the use there is that God's discipline is painful. And and, and what's up with that? Not only is God a good parent, the, the idea here is that God is a good shepherd. Psalm 23, I, I opened up reading verse 6 out of that psalm, but, or, or one of the verses out of that psalm, but notice what it says here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What is his desire? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Now, rod and staff, comfort, those don't necessarily go together, do they? When a shepherd uses his rod, what's he using it for? Well, to protect the sheep from wild animals, okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But what else does he use that rod or that staff for? To smack them in the butt to get them in the right direction. They're straying away toward the cliff. Boom, I want to teach you, you don't want to go that way because the consequences are greater of you going over the cliff than they are of the temporary pain you feel when I nudge you, when I smack you with that rod. So the rod and the staff are tools that God uses to lead us beside still waters. To lead us to green pastures. The discipline of God is God's way of correcting us so that we may be thankful later. It may hurt right now. And that's what a good shepherd does. A good shepherd allows. And Isaiah 53 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us have turned our own way. Each one of us have turned our own way. And God loves us so much that he's going to do what it takes to correct us, to discipline us. CS Lewis, I love what he said. He said, "God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but He shouts us, He shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Being a good shepherd doesn't always mean that it's going to be comfort. Being a good shepherd includes the pain of God, the hand of God's discipline. So I wonder, when, when have you sensed in your life the rod of God's discipline? When have you sensed God saying, you know, this is not, this is going to hurt right now. You're, you're feeling the pain. I think we could probably all look back and think of times where we knew where we were starting to go down a path and God did something to warn us. Let me just say this. God will not keep you from continuing down that path. It's up to you to heed the warning. And many people, if they don't feel the consequences, will continue to go down the path until the consequences are so great that it's devastating. It's devastating. Wise is the person that responds to discipline early, that heeds God's voice quickly. A fool is a person who turns from the discipline of God and continues down a path that leads to destruction. Sometimes it's not you, it's people close to you that go down that path and you suffer the consequences of their behavior and you feel the hurt and pain of their their mistakes the point that I want to say is that when we feel that let us not blame God or turn from God let us turn toward God who always is wanting you to be restored who always is looking for you to be redeemed because God will do whatever it takes to bring us back including disciplining us for our own good but it is for our good I think in moments like this I don't want to gloss over the fact that there may be things in your life right now and you're hearing the whisper of the Holy Spirit and God saying this is a warning to you. Please heed the warning this morning because if you continue down this path the pain will be greater. And I don't want you to suffer that. I want you to avoid that. And now would be a good time for you to say, God, I'm turning back to you. God, I'm turning away. That's what repentance is. I'm going to turn around from the path and I'm going to come back to you. Maybe you're here today and for whatever reason you came, you're, you're desperate and you are already at, you've, you're hitting bottom right now and, and today's a day to say I I want, a, I want a new start. I want a, I want a new beginning. You see, it's not God's discipline that's the problem. It's our response to God's discipline that makes all the difference in the world. And there's several ways you can respond. You can say, okay, God, I accept your discipline. I'm going to suffer the consequences of my behavior, but I'm not going to cause it to drive me away from you. I'm going to turn back to you. Or you can just sit there and say, oh, woe is me. God is, is not helping me. It's, you know, oh, God has just been mean to me again. I'm going to blame God for my own behavior. And we, and we, we turn God's discipline into self-pity. Or we get angry at God. or We get resentful to God. God, there are people out there that are worse off than I am and they're not suffering this kind of stuff. So God, you know, you're just not fair because I'm not, I'm getting it, you know, my, my, my appeal when I was a kid, you know. He did it first, hit him harder. Um, that, that kind of, you know, arguing. Or we could turn to God and say, God, I thank you that you love me enough. I thank you that you love me enough to teach me the right way. I thank you, God, that you love me enough to discipline me. Because if I didn't feel the consequences, then I'm just not your child. God loves his children enough to discipline them. That, that original verse, I took out a couple words when I first read it. Let me show you the whole verse here. Hosea 6. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. What an interesting passage. Now, some will read that and say, well, the punishment for Israel isn't going to last forever. Assyria is going to destroy them, but God's going to, well, you know, the land will come back. They'll return. That's what it's talking about. <clears throat> I look at this also, and I see that this is a prophetic verse regarding Jesus the Bible says that for believers in Jesus Christ our lives are now hidden in Christ in God and when I look at this I thought Wow this is speaking of the cross it's talking about how Jesus is suffering Jesus was put in the grave for two days Jesus was feeling the consequences of sin but not his sin my sin Jesus was suffering the discipline, the penalty, the pain of all the sinful choices that people made in all the world. God himself said that I'm going to go down and I'm going to be one of them. And I am God, still fully God. I am going to suffer the greatest pain because of sin that there is. And Jesus suffered the natural consequences of sin that he did not commit. The righteous for the unrighteous. So that we who are unrighteous, we who are sinners, might be made right. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. And he rose to new life. And we whose lives are hidden in Christ, we come to Jesus and he says, I will take the suffering. I will take the consequences. Believe in me. Let me give you new life. In other words, you don't have to go hit bottom before you turn back to God because Jesus hit bottom for you. Jesus hit bottom for you. Turn to Jesus right now. Let the new life of Jesus give you a new direction. Not that now I have to obey out of fear, but I get to obey out of love. And when you come to God with the sense of, I get to obey out of love for the one who did that for me it changes your whole world around. So I want to pray. I want to pray. And uh, I just want to give you an opportunity today to perhaps say to God, God, I'm going to heed your voice today. Would you bow your heads with me, please, wherever you are? I know in a message like this that the Holy Spirit is speaking far more words than I can say. And and if you're here today and you've heard the Holy Spirit sort of shining a light on parts of your life that you know, you know are going to lead to pain if you continue there. That maybe today, not maybe today, today is the day for you to say, God, I want to come back to you. I don't want to continue this way. I need you. Give your life into me let me have the life of the Holy Spirit in me and so just say something to Jesus like this dear Jesus forgive me for going my own way for being one of those sheep that have gone astray and thank you Jesus for your Holy Spirit that is speaking into my life today help me to turn back to you O God I do I turn back to you forgive me God I need to stop doing the things that I know are going to cause pain, not just for me, but pain for those in my life. And so, God, thank you that you want me to come back. Thank you that you're there to pursue and to welcome me. I turn back to you, oh God. I turn back to you, oh God. I'm going to heed your discipline today. I'm going to heed your word today. I turn back to you, oh God, take me, forgive me, help me to make things right, help me to be honest, help me to deal with the things that I need to deal with, and even if it means willingly suffer the consequences now so that I don't have to suffer greater consequences later. God, give me the courage to do that, I pray. I need you, Jesus, to help me, and I surrender to you today for your good and for your glory. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.